The Infertility Podcast is a place of inspiration for every season in life, a resource where listeners can be encouraged to push past obstacles and be motivated by individual stories. The premise of infertility is understanding the season you are in and realizing that there are strategies that can be implemented to enjoy a fertile season. Now on with the show. We are back for another great episode of the Infertility Podcast. This episode, we have Alessandra, who is the owner of Wowed Center for Wellness. Welcome, Alessandra. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yes. So before we get started, um, can you uh, provide some insight of who you are, um, any personal or professional highlights that you would like to share before we go into the interview question? Sure. So I am a 46, soon to be 47 year old woman um, who has been married only since 2017. Um, And I just met my husband at the very end of 2014, uh, end of November, beginning of December of 2014. Um, And so we married when I was 42. Mm-hmm. I am a pharmacist by trade. Um, I started my career in end of life. And then I moved, I went to, I took a break. I went to seminary. <laughs> I, I went and I worked in retail pharmacy for a few years. I came back to end of life, which really was my passion. Um, I learned so much in that space. And I believe that it was in that space that really helped me to understand the things that were really important and are really important. Um, And it was in that space that I really learned how to be present and to share the gift of presence Mm -hmm. and to really learn to be able to listen and be able to sit with people through really difficult circumstances. Yes. And so I've been practicing Yeah, I've been practicing for um, 22 years now in a number of different areas in pharmacy. And I actually left full-time practice in 2017, (laughs) shortly after my husband and I got married, like very shortly, like literally we were on our honeymoon and I started (laughs) feeling like, oh, I don't think I want to go back. And the, the fact of the matter is, is that my job was intensely stressful. Mm. Um, I had my very first panic attack while I was doing that work. Um, and I just hit the space where, um, I knew that it was time to go. Um, and actually God had told me, um, November of 2016 that I wouldn't be there much longer. Um, I was like, "Mm -mm, no, no, God, I still have a wedding to plan. (laughs) Yes. I need this job. Okay. Thanks. Exactly. (laughs) And so, um, I left that job in 2017, August of 2017, and I started on this journey to figure out who Alessandra was outside Mm. of pharmacy um, and to figure out, and actually it was a remembering of what my heart's desire was, what it was that I wanted to do. Um, I spent a lot of time in front of a vision board that I did back in 2009. And in 2009, I was um, leading a women's ministry at the church that I was affiliated with at that time. And we did vision boards. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I put on my vision board was women of worth and destiny. 
um, actually it was women of worth. And then I added the destiny a couple of years later. Mm. Um, and so I always thought that it would be like a church ministry that this would be. And so while I was trying to figure out what was going on in this space, I was spending a lot of time in quiet, a lot of time in prayer and meditation that it came to me that women of worth and destiny, like this is what I'm going to do. This is still um, the way in which I serve, but this would also be the way in which I contributed to my family and taking care of my family and living out my heart's desire. Amazing. Yeah. And so that's how I ended up here. You know, there are a lot of twists and turns as I was trying to figure things out. I had always worked for someone else and I had mm-hmm. never worked for myself. And so there was a lot of figuring out to do. There's still a lot of figuring out to do, but um, I have found a level of peace that is very hard to describe in mm-hmm. this space. Um, and I have been able to find a lot of rest in this space. Um, and so those things have all combined to allow me the opportunity to serve women um, and to journey with them on this thing we call life. Amazing, amazing. And I love that you shared your age. And for those who are tuning in, we will at the end provide the social media account for Alessandra. You do not look your age at all. You look amazing. I so, <laughs> she's sharing her age, and I'm like, wait, what? Where? <laughs> okay, thanks. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. So thank you again um, for joining. And um, you know, we're gonna just get into these these questions because um, I, I find you know your your business and what you're doing, which is a ministry in itself, whether it's inside the four walls of a church or outside. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we often talk about ministry and think it's like pulpit and, you know, what we do inside of the church, but it's really what you do outside of those four walls that is, yeah. you know, you know, what is needed, you know? Absolutely. Um, so my first question is, and you kind of answered it, um, but what really prompted you to start your business? You, you talk about, you know, you're on your honeymoon, you're like, uh, I don't think I want to go back, but what really prompted you and, 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 you know, paved the way for you to take that leap of faith to start your own business? So in that time that I was off, like I, when I say I was off, I was really off. I did not know what the next step was going to be. Um, I was trying so hard to figure out what was next. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because my husband would say, well, what are you, what are you going to do? Like, are you going to start putting in applications? (laughs) No, because I don't know that this is what I want to do. I don't know that I want to practice pharmacy anymore. And I just felt this really deep need to be really authentic with myself and honest with myself. Um, And it required a level of courage for me that I don't think I ever really needed before, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's really different when you're showing up for someone else. I mean, you're showing up for yourself first, but you're still showing up to make somebody else look good. Yeah. Right. Yes. And so I didn't want to do that anymore. And I had fallen out of love with pharmacy practice in many ways. Um, I was bothered by the ways in which Western medicine 
does business, mm-hmm. right? Because the whole reason that I got into pharmacy was because I cared about people and I wanted to serve people. And I just saw pharmacy turning in very different ways. Yeah. Um, and I have very strong feelings about healthcare and, and I don't believe that healthcare should be a business mm-hmm. per se. I understand that it is a business, but it should not be treated like a business because we take care of people and not numbers. We don't take care of beds. We take care of people. Mm -hmm. We take care of people who have loved ones. And so I just could not see myself going back into a space that had changed so much. And I knew that there was more for me. I knew there was a part of me that I had literally turned off to be fully on for the work that I was doing in pharmacy. Mm -hmm. And so I just simply did not have the capacity beyond the work that I was doing in pharmacy to do anything else. Right. I was at that time I was in the pastoral counseling program at Loyola. I ended up dropping out of that because I just didn't have the time. Like literally I sat down one day to figure out how much time I would have to sleep. Wow. the next step of doing clinical work. I didn't have time. Like I was in the negatives <laughs> for my wow. day, you know? And so I, I spent a lot of time in prayer, a lot of time just by myself and really digging into my heart. Um, and this is where I arrived, yeah. you know, I, and, and it was a difficult choice. It was a challenging choice, but what I knew and what I still know was that if I did not take the leap, that this chance may never come back again. Mm-hmm. And I did not want to have that regret. Yes. And so I took the leap. Um, and every day I would look at this ceramic tile that a coworker gave me when I left end of life care, the first go round to go to seminary. And it simply says leap and the net will appear. Mm-hmm. And so I just kept saying, I have to leap and the net will appear. I don't know how it will appear. I don't know when it will appear, but I'm just going to trust and believe that it will appear. Yes. All of the work, all of the pieces, I was very blessed and grateful to have such a supportive family, a supportive husband, because we had just gotten married. Mm -hmm. I was signed up for, we had not talked about this. I had never whispered, hey, I might want to be an entrepreneur. Right. (laughs) None of that. Um, but I sit here, even though you can't see me with like the biggest Kool-Aid smile, because I just know that I am doing what I was born to do. Yes. And that's so, so important. I love that when you're just pursuing purpose and walking in your purpose on purpose, Mm -hmm. that's amazing. So Mm -hmm. in doing some research about your business, I, um, you know, saw something, uh, called Sacred Rest Doula. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So um, many of your listeners and you as well, you're probably familiar with a birth doula, Mm -hmm. right? A a person who journeys with, um, I'm just going to use the word woman, um, a woman during pregnancy and to labor And the doula provides physical and emotional, we can even say spiritual support during that time. Mm -hmm. Um, You also may be familiar with the death doula, 
that person has a similar role where they are journeying with the person who is dying and maybe even the family to provide emotional and spiritual support, um, almost like a coach, if you will, on yeah. that process. For me, a sacred rest doula is um, a person who is journeying with, because I serve women, I'm just going to say with women, to um, journey with them emotionally, physically, and spiritually as they do the work of entering into sacred rest. Mm. And I say the work because for so many of us, we're often often doing so much that we, we don't necessarily rest. Yeah. We might sit where for a second, but we're sitting down just along to catch our breath to do the next thing. Yeah. We don't necessarily sit for the sake of sitting and feeling ourselves sit and to actually rest before we move on to the next thing. Um, the same thing with sleep. We do sleep really out of necessity just because our bodies won't go any further. We don't necessarily think about it as um, a vital tool for refueling us in every single way, every single layer of our being. And so for me, um, I am journeying with women as I serve them with self-care experiences that are both deeply restorative, allow them the space to rest, as well as transformative. Um, while some women may engage in yoga practices that might be more vigorous, part of the reason for the movement and the vigorous nature is sometimes to move stagnant energy, to get things moving and to connect with yourself, to connect with your breath so that you can then lay down <laughs> and yes. Yes. and yes. really find the rest. And it takes a while sometimes because we're not necessarily conditioned to do that, right? Yeah. We're conditioned to hustle, to do, to, you know, always be somewhere. And so that idea of resting and rest doesn't necessarily mean sleep. We have to learn how to do that. And it can be a lot for some people. It can be very scary for people as well, because it's in the center of rest that you really hear yourself. You see yourself, you mm -hmm. feel yourself, right? And things can be uncovered and revealed that can be difficult for some people, depending on what it is, because there's nothing there but you and you. Yeah. Yeah. So true. So, so true. And, and you hit on a, a very important point that we're always on the move mm -hmm. and we sit down long enough to, you know, contemplate what's the next step and what, what's the next thing on my to-do list. So why do you believe self-care is necessary? And also, you know, to kind of go along with this question, why do you feel so many women struggle in this area of self-care? Yeah. So the, the full name of my business is Women of Worth and Destiny. Mm -hmm. And I believe that, like I make self-care a verb. I believe that we self-care because we know our worth. Mm. I believe that we fail to self-care when we don't really know our worth and our value right? Because when you, when, when you know, you got a diamond, you do what you take the care and the time that you need with that yes. bad boy. You take that joker to the, to the uh, jewelry, jewelry store, make sure all the prongs are in place to, so that the diamond doesn't fall out. You don't lose it. You know, when you take it off, if you take it off, you have a special storage space for it. you don't just toss it any old where, you know, you're very 
um, deliberate with what you do. And so for me, self-caring is a very similar principle. We self-care because we know our worth. We know our value. We also self-care because in self-caring, that enables us to live fully in our purpose, to walk fully in our destiny, to be able to move fully in it. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I think that, you know, like I would say for me, I thought, man, I did my best work when I was stressed the hell out. Cylinders when I was stressed out. But the reality was I was wreaking havoc on my nervous system, mm-hmm. right? If I would take the time and plan things out instead of like waiting till the last minute, because I felt like my back was up against the wall because I was always multitasking, then that same um, level of creativity still would have come to me without the same kind of stress on my mind, on my body and my spirit. Because for me, when I would get stressed out, I wasn't the nicest and kindest person. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm at people and everything else. But if we intercede with ourselves with a measure of self-care, we can put a lot of that at bay. Yeah. And so I think it's necessary so that we can walk in the beauty of our worth and of our value so that we can walk in the fullness of our destiny so that we have moments where we're able to be really still so that we can hear what we need to hear mm-hmm. so that if it's time to pivot, we can pivot. If it's time to stand, we can stand. If it's time to sit or lie down, we can do whatever it needs to be that we need to do. So if it's partnering with someone, if it's leaving something, if it's, you know, whatever it is, when we, especially when we have to make really hard decisions, right? We don't have to make snap decisions. We are pretty in tune with ourselves because we've been Mm self-caring. So I think that's why it's necessary. And I think so many of us struggle because one reason may be that one, we're not really taught to self-care, right? Mm -hmm. Two, because we're women, we feel like we always have to compete. And if you're a black woman or a woman that's a minority, if you're like me, you still have this idea that my parents put into my mind, which I've always felt still to be true. I got to work two, three, four, five times as hard. So that gave room for me to self-care. And so I think that has a lot to do with it. But then not only at, at work, but then if we have a family, right? And then if we are trying to get pregnant and we're not getting pregnant, Mm -hmm. all of those things can make it difficult because when you become very focused on something, sometimes we forget about the other things that we're we're still responsible to do for ourselves. And I think self-care is a responsibility to ourselves to take care of ourselves in very deep, intimate ways. Yes. I love it. I love it. I love how you just summarize that because you hit on some really, really important points. Um, so one of the things that is part of your practice is um, restorative yoga. So mm-hmm. why do you feel or, or believe that restorative yoga is important and not just for women who are trying to conceive, but in general, for women in, in general, why do you feel that restorative yoga is so important? Yeah. So here's another moment with a Kool-Aid smile. <laughs> I, you know, a, a lot of women have not even heard of restorative yoga. 
And I'll start by kind of defining or describing what restorative yoga is. Many of us are probably really familiar with yoga where you are, um, for lack of a better way of saying it, constantly moving, like a vinyasa style yoga where there's one breath per movement. Um, We may be familiar with the yoga um, postures that we see on Instagram with people um, in various postures. That is indeed yoga. Mm-hmm. Restorative yoga is a, if you consider the others an active yoga, restorative would be um, a passive yoga. Okay. So active, but very passive. It is a yoga practice in which the practitioner is in a posture from anywhere from five to 10, maybe 15 or 20 minutes. Okay. And you're using lots and lots of props to support you. So it can be challenging for those of us who are not used to asking for support or receiving support. Mm. If we're used to doing it on our own, I don't need any help. I can do this. If it's hard, I'll push my way through it. Restorative yoga asks us to do something different. It asks us to accept support. It Mm -hmm. asks us to lean into support. It asks us to begin to allow ourselves to let go without needing to feel a whole lot of intense stretching in our bodies so that we can allow our bodies to um, begin to learn how to find this really deep relaxation, Mm. a relaxation that affects the physical body as well as the subtle body. Um, And when I speak of the subtle body, I mean, not just your nervous system, but your emotional body, your, your energy system, all of those things begin to shift and downregulate, if you will, when you're practicing restorative yoga. And it really allows the space for everything to quiet down. Yeah. So I think that it is really important because it's in stark contrast to the ways in which we often move about in our day to day. Yeah. Right. If you're used to constantly moving, slowing down to the point of stillness without feeling a whole lot of something in your body is a huge change, but it's a change that is deeply rewarding on so many levels um, and allows you to be able to find this sense of sacred rest um, that fuels you to be able to really do those things that you love, to do those things that you need to do, mm-hmm. as well as the things that you want to be able to do. And so I think it's valuable for women who are trying to conceive, women who are not trying to conceive, women who are pregnant, not pregnant, women who may be um, perimenopausal, menopausal, postmenopausal, not even on the pausal train yet. Um, (laughs) It's valuable, I think, for every woman, no matter where she is in the journey, because it just provides this beautiful space um, to be able to receive and to be able to let go. Yeah. Now, particularly for women who are trying to conceive. So I shared my age at the beginning on purpose because my idea for my life was that I was going to get married at 24, Mm -hmm. have my first baby at 26, 
and have one every two years thereafter until I had a total of five. Wow. At some point I thought, okay, well, I'll probably have two or three and I'll adopt those last ones. Well, mm-hmm. then I went to pharmacy school. Pharmacy school is a six-year program. So I shifted everything by two years, right? I was like, okay, I got this figured out. Now, instead of getting married at 24, I'll get married at 26, have my first baby at 28, and then have one every two years thereafter. Well, I thought I needed to do things the quote unquote right way. I shared in the beginning, I didn't get married until I was 42. Mm So at 42, I still wanted for my husband and I to be able to have some time for just us. So I wasn't ready for us to try to start conceiving right, right away. Um, I think we started when I was 43 and we tried and we tried and I had already decided long, 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 long time ago before I ever met him that I was not going to go the route of IVF or any, any kind of artificial means of getting pregnant. I had just felt like that wasn't for me, Mm -hmm. you know, nothing. I don't think anything wrong with it for those women and those families that pursue that. But for me, I just, I didn't, I didn't want to go that route. And so long story short, we didn't get pregnant. I still didn't birth any babies. Um, and for me, restorative yoga created a space for me to be held. Mm-hmm. It created a space for my heart to be supported. It created a space um, for me to simply be, you know, and I think it creates a space for women um, to celebrate, but also to grieve. Right. And to be anywhere on that spectrum, um, irrespective of where you are in life. Mm-hmm. I love all of that. I think, you know, for someone who may have not um, understood the concept of restorative yoga, you really provided some great insight to what it is and also why it's important to you. Um and I, I, I just love the fact that you were able to expand on that because it was, it was something that was a bit new for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so within your business, you offer, a, you know, a lot of support from a wide range of women, um, you know, curating a self-care plan uh, and such as coming back to yourself, making yourself a priority. You offer grief support, fertility support, prenatal support, postpartum support. Um, and so because of the listeners that tune into this podcast, um, I wanted to see if you can expand on the fertility uh, support provided, prenatal and postpartum support that you provide through your business. Right. So what I do is I take, um, I have tools that I use and the tools, you can say they're tools A, B, C, and D, but then what I do is I tailor them for the woman that's in front of me. So for example, I offer private yoga. Private yoga, depending on who you are, may be different, but if you're a woman who is trying to conceive um, or you're doing that preconception work, then I tailor that um, all of those sessions specifically for you. So if you are trying to conceive, then we're doing yoga practices that are twofold. We are one, we're doing yoga practices that invite a lot of 
energy and blood flow into the pelvic area. Mm-hmm. We are doing breath work that helps to cleanse that energetic space between the heart and the womb space. We are doing work that invites a downward flow of energy because from a yogic perspective, that's that downward flow of energy is um, apana energy and that energy flows into the womb space, filling the womb space with this amazing and powerful energy and then connects you to ground, connects you to earth so that you can feel rooted, stable and supported. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but then the flip side of that, doing that active work is also that rest work, right? I was looking over some materials um, from the training that I did. And one of the notes was that while exercise is recommended for women who are trying to conceive, Really intense exercising is interpreted by the body as stress or Mm. stressor. And so the body sees that stressor no different than it does any other stressor. And so the resources are going to everything else except for your womb space and trying to support carrying life in the womb. And so any of the yoga practice and the work that we do, it's not going overboard. It's moderate to low level, um, really facilitating calm and relaxation so that your nervous system can adjust appropriately um, while building energy and blood flow in the pelvis area. So we have that type of practice for a woman that's trying to conceive. The other side is this restorative yoga practice. Mm -hmm. Same thing for prenatal. Prenatal will have a yoga practice, but that yoga practice will have that similar um, focus on the downward flow of energy because ultimately, what are we looking for? When it's time to birth baby, whether it's via C-section or vaginal birth, we're looking for baby to come down. Mm -hmm. So we're beginning to harness that downward flow of energy. We're also doing a lot of work around theme for each of these fertility, pregnancy, and postpartum that are related to where you are in that journey Um, and preparing the pregnant woman for birth and for delivery. Again, irrespective of the way in which she actually births that baby. Okay. And then lastly, for postpartum, very much the same, just gearing that practice for the woman who has had her baby already and her body is ready mm-hmm. to come back to a practice. And, and in that postpartum practice, it's not about snatching anything back. Right? Right. It's not <laughs> about your, your um, pre-baby body back. That is not the focus of my work with you. The focus of my work with you is reconnecting with the body that you now have, this Mm -hmm. amazing body that has birthed the baby, right? Um, And so whether it's through a yoga practice, meditation, yoga nidra, a sacred heart womb um, flow, which is similar to yoni breathing, it's moving that energy between the heart and the womb, clearing space, opening space, um, Whatever those uh, practices or experiences are, I am constantly weaving in themes that are pertinent to where you are on your journey. I love it. Like I said, for those tuning in, I'm going to give Alessandra's information at the end, but this is such a great resource for women um, who are on this journey. 
So I always put this question in here um, because I think it's important to get different perspectives on um, this question. And it would be what words of encouragement would you provide to women who are on this infertility journey? That's hard. Yeah. <laughs> Thinking about it. Um, I, I, I'll start first by saying words that never were helpful for me. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Words that were never helpful for me were, um, Sarah got pregnant at 100. <laughs> right. <laughs> what? <laughs> These are definitely different times, but thank you. Right. Like, I'm not going to live to 100. I understand that you're saying while she was really old, right. but that's not helpful for me. <laughs> um, I think what I would say is to the best that you're able, no matter where you are in the journey and no matter the outcome, extend grace and kindness to yourself. Mm -hmm. Remember to love yourself and remember because I have to remind myself of this, remember that you are still worthy and you are still valuable. Mm -hmm. You are not broken. You are still whole. Um, and you still have so much to give. Yes. However you decide to move forward. Um, and I would also say that it's okay to be mad with God. Mm-hmm. It's okay to grieve. And if you need the help of a therapist, by all means, seek the help and the support of a therapist mm -hmm. to help you move through, um, not over, but move your way through the different stages. And it's okay. Um, I was extremely angry with God. Mm -hmm. Extremely. How, I, I don't under, like, Clearly, this is what I'm supposed to be able to do. I got this uterus. I got these ovaries. I've been having periods since I was 11. And all of that for what? Yeah. Now I don't, what? So I was very angry. I was also angry with myself. So I had to um, really, for. I don't even know if forgiveness is the right word, but I had to extend a lot of grace. I still have to extend a lot of grace to myself because I kept saying, if I would have just got married earlier, maybe I should have just picked whoever. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know? right. And I remember one time my grandmother saying to me, baby, don't you just have a friend? And I was like, a friend for what? She's like, you know, a friend. So you can just <laughs> go and have this baby. I was like, but that's not how I want to do it. And so sometimes I am angry with myself for having such a strict and rigid way of how I wanted to create my family because I thought that was the only right way. Yeah. Um, so I guess in saying that, I would say, allow yourself grace to explore the ways in which you can build and create family. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Love it, especially the piece about grace. You know, oftentimes we offer grace to other people, but not ourselves. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the biggest lessons that I learned in this journey is I need to offer the same way I give grace to other people that are going through their own trials, their own tribulations. I need to do that same for myself. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very important. So as we close, um, do you have any final words of encouragement, anything that maybe we have missed um, that you would like to share about your business? Um, just so we can close out, I want to give you an opportunity to, you know, share anything else that may be on your heart. Um, I think I would just simply say, again, extend grace to yourself mm-hmm. um, and know that it is a journey. Um, for me, I have come to a place of acceptance. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is where I am. Um, that m- more than likely, unless like, you know, a miracle happens and I, I pop up pregnant, I probably won't be birthing any babies. Mm-hmm. So um, I would encourage your listeners to, um, if you decide to stop, and to accept where you are now, that that is okay. You know, other people don't have any right or any business to mind your womb and how you choose to build family or not build family. You don't owe explanations Mm -hmm. to Right. And I think it can be hard because people will, you know, ask you and press you out about when you, so when you're going to have a baby, when you're going to have a baby, really not having any sense that you already may have been trying for a very long time. Yes. And your words are highly insensitive. Um, so do what's right for you, do what's best for you um, and be authentic and whatever your choice is, you know, be honest with yourself, um, be honest with, if you have a partner with your partner, um, and be honest with God, universe, spirit, whatever, you know, your, your faith tradition is, your spirituality path is, um, just be honest and open. Um, and yeah, I think that's it. Awesome. You know, I am here to support wherever you are. Um, and if you decide that you want to engage in any of these practices, I am physically located in the DMV, um, the DC, uh, Maryland, Virginia area. So if you are in the area and you want an in-service um, experience, and uh, I'm sorry, in-service, an in-person experience, um, I offer them, I call my physical studio, the self-care sanctuary. Mm. Um, So you are welcome to come into the self-care sanctuary. Um, I also offer mobile services to folk that are in this geographical region, but also virtual services um, for things like yoga and Reiki and meditation and things like that. Um, So you don't have to be right here with me in order for us to be able to work together. So I would um, certainly consider it an honor and a privilege to be able to work with your listeners. Awesome. Thank you so much again for joining and for all of this information. So how can we stay connected with you? You know, you can provide your social media um, accounts, your website, um, just so our listeners can get connected with you. Yep, absolutely. So if you remember WOWD Wellness, W-O-W-D Wellness, that will take you everywhere. The website is wildwellness.com. You can find me on IG and Facebook at WOWD Wellness. Awesome. <laughs> so very simple. Yes, which is <laughs> good. 
across the board. <laughs> yes, yes, which is good. Consistency is good. So, Alessandra, thank you once again for joining in on this episode of the Infertility Podcast. And thank you to everyone who's tuned in to this episode. Ciao. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Infertility Podcast. Be sure to connect with me via social media. You can find me on Instagram at I am Danielle Joseph or on Facebook, Master Mentor and Minister. Or you can visit my website, which is www.iamdaniellejoseph.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.